Hello and welcome to the Hoop Troop Podcast. I am Matt O'Connor and joining me as he does on all of our shows is my cousin Luke Drobner. What's up guys? Um, so since last week we've had a few pretty stellar performances. As we were recording, it started with Ja Morant going off for 50 plus since LeBron has done it. Tatum did it yesterday, right? Yeah, he had 50 plus. He um, did, yeah. He actually broke so, uh, he broke the record for most 50-point games in a Celtic uniform. I think he broke Larry Bird's record. Uh, so, yeah, pretty pretty good week of basketball. But Good for him. Yeah, you know. Um, so, I figure we can start out with – well, actually, I'll let you start because I feel like I've been driving the <laughs> – I've been driving the, the horse for – or the – what is it? Let's say driving the car, whatever. I've been uh, this. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I mean, it's been a full week of basketball since we last spoke, and I think I was, I think I was hanging out and watching one of the games, and I thought about the Atlanta Hawks a little bit, and just kind of how far they've regressed, I guess, from last season. They're one game below five hundred right now. Yep, um, they're currently. I mean, like, uh, in win percentage, tied. Yeah, but they're tied for eighth in the play-in. They're tied with the Hornets and Nets, so I don't know what to make of that. They're a game what's behind sh- in both the win and loss columns. Like, they haven't what's played. What's their uh, strength of schedule on Tankathon? Let's take a gander. But they do have two games, so, you know, compared to those other two teams. It'll just be, yeah. you know, something to monitor, especially for the Nets. But, they're, you know, they're, they're 29th. definitely – and shrink the schedule. It seems so, like unless the Cavs drop drastically, they're definitely going to be a play-in team. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just a question of anywhere they land from seven to ten. I'd be kind of surprised so, if Washington cashed them. Like I think that it's pretty much a lock now. That they're going to be a play-in team, but who knows? Sure. They're two games. They're currently two games up on Washington. Washington. Who? I think they'll be okay. Just got Chris this, back. Yeah, but the Hawks have the second easiest schedule moving forward. Wow. So yeah. 19 games left. Um, Even if you like the if, Brooklyn, say you win 11 of those, you're probably safe. Yeah. And like the Brooklyn Nets who are ahead of them played an extra two games. And so the Charlotte Hornets who are ahead of them. So they have, they have a, a whole bunch of games that they can catch up with. And their point differential is a positive, which kind of leads you to believe that they'll be moving up in the standings. So, so here, yeah, that's kind of the thing I was going to say is you look at where they started this season and it was very mm-hmm. bad. What yeah. they're doing is oddly reminiscent of last season where they're getting hot in the second half. They're kind of starting to click. Um, you don't necessarily have the same injury excuse that you had last season or the change of head coach. But still, sure. I mean, you saw where it took them last year. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and they beat good teams in the process. Well, the Knicks are fine, but they beat other they beat the Sixers who I would say everyone would say was a good team. Yeah. A little Um, bit of a Ben Simmons choking there, but. Yeah, but that happens. I mean, that, you know, you look at any series and that happens. Um, And and you you talk about how they started the season. So you're right. Um, They started the, they were four and three, and then they dropped six straight. But then they won six straight. They won seven straight. So they've been streaky. There are times when they lose like five or six in a row. And there are times when they win like five or six in a row. It's Which, never, there's if, you no get, if you get hot at the right time, like they're doing right now, Luke, and starting to kind of move True. their way on up, they're about to hit 500. I'm assuming you, as you just said, with their easy schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And if they get the right matchup in the play-in, I don't know. Like, it feels like it could be – like, they should be able to squeak their way into the playoffs. And now, I don't want to necessarily count out any of the other teams, but, like, Brooklyn, to me, feels like a play-in lock. Like, if they are still in the play-in, they'll get out of it and make the playoffs. But the other I mean, three, the Raptors, the Hornets, KD and the just Hawks, back. Right. I mean, KD just got back. Kyrie was playing. They're going to get Ben Simmons. It feels like they're going to be good enough to win – at least one of those playing games. No, I think the Raptors are a playing lock just because I think, I, I think the teams currently in the playing in the playoffs in the East are the teams that are going to be in the playing in the playoffs in the East. I totally agree. I honestly, I don't think the wizards are going to move up. And unfortunately I don't think the Knicks are going to move up either. The Knicks better move down. So, if I had, if I was in charge, they would not move up. A, oh my God. I'm going to half game of improvement. Why? Because you move. want Jude and Ivy. I want Ivy pretty bad. Oh, I mean, I want anyone. I just want a better – because even if they don't end up drafting it, like a better pick is a resource you could trade if you decide you don't want one of those young guys. But I want to I want to talk a little bit about the Knicks smaller lineup they ran yesterday against the Clippers, but I want to finish this Hawks discussion. Yeah, let's, let's, stay, let's of... stay here and then we'll pivot. Um, um, no, yeah, I agree so with I, like, you. I, I think those – I think the t- teams we're seeing in there are definitely locks. It's a question of the position, and that's why, you know – I don't think any of those four, seven to 10, are going to vault the Cavs. The Cavs have a three game lead on Toronto between the sixth and the seventh spot. And then obviously from there, it trickles down. It's almost like an additional, it's almost six games on Charlotte, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and Atlanta. I don't I, think I they think can catch them in, in 19, 20 games, whatever it is. I think, I think, I think if the Brooklyn Nets play their absolute best basketball, the Toronto Raptors play their absolute best basketball, I think they can catch the Cavs. And that's if the Cavs, struggle a little bit, drop a couple games here and drop a couple games there. Um, but that's unlikely, right? Uh, Darius Garland is a candidate for most improved. You got uh, Evan Mobley, who's been playing really great. He's probably going to end up with rookie of the year unless Josh Giddy really makes a push for it. Um, but I like I, the, the, the way the Hawks Nets and Hornets are kind of set up, it's more of like, do you want to play two playing games or do you want to play one playing game? Right. And so, like the Hawks were such a promising team, they could definitely end up moving up. But I just I I think the Hornets are a good team and are probably on similar footing as the Hawks. And obviously the Brooklyn Nets have underperformed about KD, Kyrie in and out of the lineup, and Ben Simmons is supposed to come back sometime after Thursday when they uh, <laughs> play the Philadelphia 76ers. When, he, when he's which suddenly I, I healthy mean, at ten thirty hey, at night. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I don't blame him for skipping out on that game. But I do. I I do. Here's the thing. Like, I get it. It's obviously hard to join a new team and like fit in right away. And so maybe you're a little Mm -hmm. nervous about how it's going to look fine. Right. It's not like he couldn't have come back. They haven't had like the most difficult schedule. He could have came back when KD came back, got a couple games under. They have, it's not like that's his first game as a net. Like he could have taken a little time to practice a little bit, get into shape. Sure. And like, he would have been fine. He would have been fine. It seems like he's clearly dodging them. And especially depending on when they roll him out after that game, if it's like two games after you're going to tell me that that made all the difference in conditioning and his back is suddenly better. Like, no, absolutely not. I mean, two games rolling him out, rolling him out against a weaker New York team, or even like the league's worst Orlando magic would be a better idea than rolling him out against a place where he feels uncomfortable. I guess a team that's looking to win games. Against and there are guys on the Philadelphia 76 Sixers roster who are, who want to come for him, who want to embarrass him, who want to make him feel bad, right? 
So, like, I if you if you if you but think about the development of him on the roster, see, here's my thing with that. Shouldn't he want to embarrass them? Shouldn't he want to go be go out there and be like, yeah, you picked the wrong guy. I'm the know, one. Like, you guys turned on me. F you. I'm the like I'm legit. That's how I look at it. He, sh- he should, but I think it's clear now that Ben Simmons is not that type of personality person. I don't think he has a killer instinct, and that could have also been a little bit telling. Uh, my roommate and I were talking about some of the guys who were drafted high in the draft, and teams they were on teams that didn't make the NCAA tournament, like a Ben Simmons or Markel Fultz, right? right. So. Like, here's Ben Simmons, and he's supposed to go number one overall. He's supposed to change the way the franchise works and stuff like that. But, um, like, he couldn't even lead LSU to a NCAA tournament bid. He didn't even have to win in the first round. He didn't even make the tournament with them, and he's supposed to be the number one pick. You know, and, like, you might, might want to talk about, like, oh, well, that LSU roster was talentless. I'm sure they had other guys who got NBA looks solely because Ben Simmons was getting NBA looks, and sure. that draws a lot of attention. Similar, like – uh, Purdue has Jaden Ivey right now. There's a lot of guys on our roster who would have never got as much NBA hype around them if it wasn't for Jaden Ivey really playing and attracting scouts to our games. People like Sasha Stefanovic, who nobody knows, for some reason he's getting like second round hype all of a sudden, right? Like there are people coming to the game and scouting him. He's like 6'5", he's unathletic, he shoots threes. You know, like we've had guys like that in the past and even the ones who are good are like struggling in and out. So you know, when you, when you have a guy like Ben Simmons who gets drafted first overall and you expect a lot out of him, I feel like you're putting a really high expectation on him because he's never – like, you're like, he's supposed to be our guy. He didn't prove it in college that he could be that guy. And I think we as fans need to start to understand that Ben Simmons is not that guy. He's like a second or third option on a team. But that's the thing. That's exactly what he would be right now. I'm expecting him to be what he was in Philly – just for the Nets. He doesn't have to be anything more. Just literally go out there and be him. And so that's why, like, because sure. it would, it's a perfect compliment to what they're doing on that team right mm-hmm. now. So, like, what I, that's where I guess my disconnect is and like my confusion of, like, it's not like we're asking to go out there and be the guy. You have Kevin sure. Durant, you have Kyrie, who are both going to be playing. Like, what am I missing here? All you have to go is play defense, push pace, pass the ball. I don't know. Would be the Duncan every once if... in a while. Like, would, would be we would we be upset if like Tobias Harris decided to sell out a couple more games to get back healthy? But that's the thing. Like, is it to get back healthy? Do you really buy that? It doesn't no. matter. Dodging I think it's that's the, all it is. He's it's Danny all, Green said it when he first got traded. He was like, I don't think he's gonna play against us on the 10th. And Danny Green was right. Like I don't know. It's frustrating to me. It's right. very frustrating. And also just as a fan, like yeah, I want him to play. I want to see that. Mm-hmm. I think it would be an unbelievable. He's a good game. player. It's a prime. A it, right? Player. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure it's on national TV on Thursday. It's like, on TNT on Thursday. Yeah. yeah. For everyone, every fan of the NBA, it would be amazing if he played. Okay, but they're on ESPN against Dallas. They're on NBA TV versus Utah. ESPN against Memphis. Not the NBA same. TV Miami. TNT versus Milwaukee. NBA TV versus Atlanta. ESPN against New York at the Garden. Yeah, but F that. We suck, and we want to lose that game. <laughs> I don't care about Julius, that. I care about Julius Randle, Ben Simmons matchup. That's why – That's why. all right, to get to turn it back to the Hawks, the thing I'm sure. hoping for is – and again, you know, I, I don't want to speculate, but let's say for argument's sake, the Sixers keep the two seed. I know they're tied with the Bucks right now, but they have the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. 
let's say for argument's sake, they keep the two. Yeah. If Brooklyn wins outright the play-in tournament, guess who they're playing in Philly? They, they could win outright. The play-in is seven versus eight. Winner of that moves is the seventh seed. And then eight versus the winner of nine versus 10. So the Brooklyn Nets are sitting in ninth right now, have to move up at least one spot in the standings. Right. And then they have to win that first game. That would be great. I would love a four-game series, especially because it will be in Philadelphia. And I mean, that means Kyrie is able to play four games. Right. Or he could just get vaccinated and play all seven. But, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> actually, I don't, th- I don't think he has time anymore because you, you need a couple of weeks between shots. The second dose, the booster maybe. I don't know what the rule is, but yeah. I just think he has to be two shots deep. They also might change... I don't know what they're going to do. It seems like everything's been evolving, so they might end up like changing some rules to get him to play. But for for the time being, operating on what we know, he can't play. Yeah. So. Yep. But. But yes, the, I, the series would be great thing. if you're if you're Brooklyn though. Intuitively, you're not giving your like you need to win. You're going to try and get yourself into that like seven versus eight game, and you're going to try to win yeah. it because that gives right. you, in theory, the best chance to go win the championship and not get sent home. If you sure. say you get into that seven or eight game and you lose, fine. Then we have another chance. But if you miss that seven or eight game, you I mean, only have one game. You have to win would you rather, twice. Would you rather be the eight seed and play the Miami Heat, or would you rather be the seven seed and play the Philadelphia 76ers? It's a very hard question because I think both of those teams are tough. And I, if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I'd much rather play the Miami Heat. You would. Yeah, I think there. I still think there are holes on that Philly team, and I think there are holes on the on the Heat team. I don't I care the about heat. the holes. It's the like, is, I don't think I'm going to get anything out of Ben Simmons if we play Philadelphia. And yeah, uh, I guess right. You're looking at your personnel, and and Embiid would be fired up. Also, I want to hit. Dominate. I want to hit a. Sh- Embiid would dominate. Embiid their would dominate picks. anybody. He would dominate would anyone, they, but I mean, again, it's been the problem with the Nets for a long time. Their centers aren't great. Who do they you have know? at center? Andre Drummond. <laughs> is that who you're – that's probably who you're going to have that's, to start that's against That's the him? matchup. Yeah. Or you put Claxton on him, but that feels like a bad idea. No, Claxton's start cheap. Start Blake Griffin oh at the five? Like, that's not great. Andre Drummond's the matchup, and there's a history between Drummond and Embiid with this whole I'm-in-your-head-free real estate type yeah. thing. I remember when Drummond was in Detroit, and they got into some type of fight just because Embiid's being Embiid. He's being a troll yeah. and stuff. Which is also why it's hilarious yeah. that – Drummond had to back him up for the beginning of the season. It's just like, you know, everything about it, their relationship is very funny, and it would be a fun matchup. But I think like, the best part about the offseason was when Drummond signed with the Sixers and they had that photo of Embiid, uh, and he's, like, looking oh, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but that's... I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't know what the preferred matchup is, because even if you look at the Heat, like, there, that's not a cakewalk. And realistically, no. I could see the Heat beating the Nets in less than seven. I mean, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, Bam on a bio. All those guys are switchable. All of them are tall. All of them are long. And Tyler Hero off, off the bench. bench. Right. They have uh, Dwayne Dedman, who's played well. Markeith Morris, who's still out. Uh, and they have a lot of guys who uh, just kind of play a role, like Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin. Not like stunningly great players but if you think about like your eighth ninth tenth guys off the bench they do a fantastic job for that right like, you're also you're also omitting the fact that old depot's coming back and he's going to play off oh, the bench. Depot and is like back. yeah am i expecting a ton no no but 
at the same time, if he can come out there off the bench and be like a serviceable bench player, player. role player, like even if it's just while he's like getting himself back, if he can score like eight points a game or something like that, that's legitimate. Think, that's a big, if, big help. So, I mean, usually the his past couple of seasons, he's been averaging what like twenty five and five. If you can come back and do half of that, if you can do 10, yeah. two and two, right? I think that'd be great. And that's all they need. It's like, and he's also just adds versatility. Like, if he adds 10, two and two, and then some nights he just gives you something where he's on and he gives you something like, you know, look at that great shot he hit or wow, that was a great pass or something like that. If he can add like an extra wrinkle into the um, X factor, because he was an all-star, right? And you expect yeah. him to bring an all-star mentality to your team. And he's probably completely bought into the uh, culture there. So I'm that's, sure he's... And that's that's the reason I don't think the Nets would want to play the Heat is strictly because those Spolstra coach teams are machines. Everyone mm-hmm. knows their role and they excel at it. And they do mm-hmm. such a good job. It's almost, I mean, I don't want to like directly compare it because it's not quite the same. It feels very similar to the way the Spurs were with Popovich all those years where it was like, yeah, you had your sure. leader... But at the same time, like everyone knew what they were supposed to do. You know, exactly. like they, they all kind of fit their mold and they did it well. It's kind of like mm-hmm. the Warriors now, like with what Steve Kerr is doing. Um, obviously, I don't want to use those like Durant era teams. It's like the, Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns right now. No yes. Paul, no Booker. But they're and playing they're great basketball. Finding, and they're still finding ways to yeah. win. Exactly. They're seven. Yeah. And seven. that's the thing with that Heat team. It's like, yeah, they might not have that same star power that the Sixers have. And like, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know that you want to play them. Like, I, you know, I guess I, it is kind of just like a damned if you do, damned yeah. if you don't scenario where like, yeah, all right, one's worse than the next and we're just got to figure I, it out. But I think I you think need to play heat, for the seven. The Heat don't have any guaranteed superstars, but they have a, a whole bunch of guys on the roster who on any given night can score 30. Yeah. Tyler Hero, Bam, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry. Victor Oladipo, if he comes back and is healthy, could easily all go for 30 on you. Yeah. I'm also, if Duncan Robinson gets hot, like if he's like seven for eight from three, like you're not right. winning that game. No. So. And that's the thing. Like, I just, I don't know that that's the, I know obviously it's, it's easy to speculate. I think mm-hmm. things do go up in the air a little bit too. If let's say for argument's sake, the Sixers are not the two and it's the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, Sure. Who would who would you rather play there? Like it's not automatic. I think any of those top three teams are so far ahead of the other teams that you can mm-hmm. possibly get matched up against. That I I really do think it's just like you gotta brace for whatever, and you can't really even necessarily play like the oh you know we're gonna try and get the seven or eight or lobby around like that. So we we oh we want to miss Milwaukee, so we're gonna try and do this. Like I don't think it's a guarantee. Sure. You know I don't think it's right. like the West where realistically you're trying to avoid the suns would be, would be my perception of the West landscape. I don't think anyone else is like that threatening as much as the suns are. I want to see what Golden State looks like when Draymond comes back, because they're in a little bit of a low right now, two and eight in their last 10 Draymond comes back in the next week or so things will change. So let's, let's switch up to the West. Then I want to look at this while you're talking about that. Cause you talked, you, you talked about the suns a little bit. Did you watch the Bucks Sunday Bucks Suns game yesterday? I watched some of it. Um, I didn't get to watch to the end. I heard it was like a little controversial, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, some tough whistles here or there, but it's how the game gets called. Part, yeah, obviously, it's part of the no, game. no Paul, no Booker, but 
Uh, I thought the Bucks looked really good. Giannis fouled out, and but Middleton finished the game with 44. Drew Holiday was like 0 for 7 in the first half or something like that, and then out of nowhere scored 15 in the fourth. Yeah. So the Bucks kind of scared me a little bit, and I think this. I thought the Suns looked good, especially without their two best players. But right, obviously. So I watched them. I watched them play the Knicks over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, when it was a that's the you know, Cam the Johnson Cam, game winner, right? Right. And so I have all my issues with the Knicks in general. But one thing that sure. stood out was kind of what we were talking about before was the way they're playing. It's just like they are. You know, you don't even need to watch the game. You just need to see them before the game, whether in the you know in the tunnel dancing or like singing with sure. mops on the court. That team loves that team. There's like, mm-hmm. you can tell, like, they are such like a cohesive unit and like, there's no, Oh, like it's my time. I need this. Like they're clearly all in it together. And it shows mm-hmm. because when you're missing your two best players, your guards who should be like the focal point of your offense, who kind of create everything. And you're still able to go out there and either not only just win games, but compete in games like they did against um, the bucks. Like to me, they're the scariest team in the NBA right now. Like I know they have the best record and like, Sure, you can kind of, um, you know, say, oh, maybe it's the the Heat, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Warriors. No, like you look at what they're doing without their two best guys. No other team looks like this without their two best guys. Like I think they are, tr- like truly through and through, like just the scariest team you could come face to face with in the playoffs. So I think if you're a Western Conference playing team, you're really hoping to get the seven because you absolutely don't want to see the Suns, especially not in the first round. Like if you're, for example, if you're, uh, you know, uh, realistically, I guess it is kind of lining up where it's going to be Timberwolves Clippers in that seven, eight game. Yeah. <laughs> you want to win it. You definitely don't want to fall into that nine, 10 range or, you know, end up losing that first game and have to go in to play the Suns. Right. Cause I would much rather play golden state and yeah, you're right. You want to see what they look like with Draymond. Maybe it's mm-hmm. Memphis at the two Memphis is right there. They're tied for the second, for the number two. Oh. So I would much rather, uh, much rather end up the seven in the West. Whereas you don't see that in the East. The East kind of I, East is, I feel a lot of people are pretty even in the East. I think if you're the Heat, Sixers, or Bucks, you have a chance. Obviously, the Brooklyn Nets were healthy and playing uh, good basketball. And there wasn't all this dysfunction with James Harden and stuff. I think they'd also be up there. In the West, it's very clear cut who's good and who's not. Yeah, definitely. The only, the only weird one that, is the Nuggets. Well, actually, I shouldn't say the only weird one, but yes, the Nuggets, the Nuggets are the one that comes to mind because they are, they're about to get healthy and like mm-hmm. they've been, I don't want to even just say treading water. They're 12 games over 500, but I think, I think if I'm the Grizzlies at three, I want the two seed because I don't want to see the Nuggets in the first round. Oh, definitely. I, and I think that's more than fair. I think the other thing is that the Mavericks, who we talked about, you had brought up, I think, a couple weeks ago, whenever we talked about them. Um, I think it was last week. Yeah. They're, hot, they're hot right now. And it seems like – and uh, look, I'll be the first to admit it. I was kind of like shitting on them after the Dinwiddie trade and Bertans. But Dinwiddie – I mean, he Dinwiddie's just went been off. Good. Dinwiddie's yeah. been great. He just – what did he have yesterday? He had a ton. 36. He yeah, 36 something like that. Day. I don't remember which day it was. But, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think the Washington Wizards are a weird organization. I think it's very hard for a lot of people to find rhythm there. So, um, no, I hold up. Let me get the 
And so I'm trying to pull up the Dinwiddie game. Let me see the game logs. It was Saturday, March 5th. He had 36 points against the Kings. They won by one. And I remember turning that game on and being like, oh, Luca's playing. And then realizing that Luca's not playing. And I turned the game off immediately. Yeah. Because nobody wants to watch that garbage, and uh, oh. <laughs> and Dimity went for thirty six, and they won. So, um, yeah, and so you know, if he does kind of start to get into a rhythm, and like I know I was definitely quick to judge because he did have mm-hmm. a you know, I don't know. I feel like in in Washington, it was pretty much like his team because it's not like Beal was playing a ton. Like it yeah. was kind of centered around him that offense. So like I'm kind of mm-hmm. surprised he didn't look good. Um, but maybe I guess, you know, I was just discrediting how long it does take to come back from an injury and like really look like sure. yourself. So maybe he is finding it. And if he is, we've all seen what Luca can do in the playoffs. You know, the, I yes. think the Clippers are all too familiar. And so you know, I don't think you want them either. So, I, you know, I think that variety there in that five or six range with the Mavericks and Nuggets, well, like, ay, ay, ay. I saw, okay, so... In the West, you have the Suns, who are clear-cut, yes. great. The Warriors with Draymond are very dangerous and could potentially make a run. You have the Lakers, you can never count LeBron out. I mean, 56. Yeah, three three through five. Memphis, mm-hmm. Utah, and Dallas. We talked about Dallas last week, so I won't go deep into it, but I think, they're doing, I think they're doing a good job with this roster. I think they have some pieces that are definitely valuable. I just think they obviously still have some holes off the bench and – I think they have they're playing good defense, but I still feel that they're they need better defenders and they need a center. Like they awfully yeah. need a center. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Utah, I just I never I can never I uh I saw you can't, I can video I can I can believe in them. I can believe in them. Uh, I don't think Donovan they're Mitchell. Couldn't Donovan you see Mitchell's them getting the to the conference finals this year? You can't. I could and like we say that every year. I think they play such a uh they play a good brand of basketball for the regular season, but when it comes to the postseason, people are going to give you so many different looks that it's going to make you hard to run that same right scheme that you're doing. It doesn't really change. It, it's it's pretty much the same thing, game in game. And their their offense is fine, right? If they're going to run like pick and roll with Gobert and Mitchell, it'll work. And Conley to give Mitchell breaks. And you have Jordan Clarkson, and you have Nikhil Alexander Walker, who's shown some flashes here and there through his young career. My problem is like you play the Clippers in the second round or first round or whatever it is you play them as, or you play another team who can go small, like the Golden State Warriors or like the Denver Nuggets. Like Nikola Jokic has been known to yeah. you know, go bear problems just because he can step out. He can, he can, uh, you know, post right. up things like that. So like I could see it with the right breaks, if they play, if they're able to play a small ball brand of basketball, I could see them going far. It's just I'm concerned about their ability to play small ball. I think like even now with more Gobert than out, they're still Gobert gets played off Go- the court every year in the playoffs. He does. And and even with Gobert out right now, right? This would be a great time to start playing people like Rudy Gay or Eric Paschal at center. But instead they're playing Hassan Whiteside and uh they have uh, a guy out of Kansas, he's like a rookie or second year player, Udoka Uzo. Oh, um- as a uh, I can't say yeah. his name. Yeah, Azubuki. He's, you know, again, just like another seven-footer. And don't get me wrong, it's been working for them. It's great. But, like, Gobert, Whiteside, and Uzubuki are all going to get played off the floor in the playoffs. Yeah, for, like, 100%. 100%. Yeah. 
and it happens every year, which is why, you know, I guess I agree. But that said, <laughs> they are good enough. Like they have the firepower to win playoff games, especially if they get the right draw. And then, yeah. and I'll say this, it, it's not specific to them. It's, it's more any team. If you get to the conference final, anyone could really pull that off. You know, look at yeah. the Bucks. They are. It's a seven game series. I think so. I, I think especially we've seen Donovan Mitchell, what he can do scoring in the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. give him like I a big stage. He could easily go make if it it's count. jazz. If it's jazz son in the conference finals, I think that bodes well for the jazz. And that's just because, you know, the Suns are going to continue to play eight in and yep. that allows you to leave Gobert on the floor. And it's not like Aiton stepping out to the three point line and knocking down a three. So. Right. Right. But that's well, what I mean. But, if you, if but you that's, get the if right you play draw. Golden State, if you're playing the Phoenix Suns, right? Like, it, it really depends. It's so, I mean, they're matched up against sure. the Mavericks right now, who could 100% play Gobert off the floor. Like, right. And let's say they win that first round against the Mavericks. They play Golden State or Memphis next, and I don't think Memphis is going to move on. We can talk well, about no, Memphis if they're, if they're want, the 4-5, but... they'd get the Suns. That would be their second round. Because it would be 1-4. Uh, so it would be them. And then you never know. Like, that's what okay. So... And again, okay. obviously, a lot can change, but you just never know. That I don't. You know. You never know. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I can't get behind him. I, I really can't get behind the Jazz. I like Donovan I Mitchell so much that I can. I can believe it. It's. It's not that I don't like Donovan Mitchell. It's oh, that you I don't, don't like him. Rudy You're Gobert. a hater. You're a Donovan Mitchell hater, and I know it. I don't. Okay, you can go back to that. I know Mike always gives crap <laughs> for it. Where like I. I don't like small guards, right? Like, and that is kind of true. Like, I think Donovan Mitchell is a great player. But, like, when you really think about best players on a team to win championships, you kind of think about a guy who's, like, 6'6 to 6'10, you know, and can play every position. And I don't think Donovan Mitchell can play every position. I don't know. Allen Iverson led a team to the championship. Did they win? No, but – Exactly. I don't know. Jason Kidd got there twice. Like, I'm looking at – I'm trying to think of guards that led teams there. Jason Kidd got there twice, but wasn't he won one with Dirk? He won one with Dirk. Oh, so he technically got there three times. He got there twice with the Nets. Um, let me think. Okay. Who, I'm trying to think of other like lead guards or smaller I mean, St- guys. That Steve carried Nash team. never made it. Nash never got there. Um, God, yeah. I mean, but you're right. Generally, you need a, a bigger guy, and then the the point the smaller player is your second option. Okay. Last year, uh, Giannis. The year before, LeBron. Kawhi. Could KD, you say KD, Devin Booker? LeBron. But I guess Devin Booker is what six six. He probably falls. Yeah, six six. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Golden State Warriors. I guess Steph. that's like the last one. Steph, smaller guard. Spurs. They have Kawhi. They have Tim Duncan. Uh, LeBron James again. LeBron James. Dirk. Kobe. Kobe. Paul Pierce. Spurs again. Yeah, uh, Miami Dwayne Wade, but Dwayne Wade's six four. It's bigger. He definitely plays bigger than his. And Donovan Mitchell is one of those guys who kind of he's a he's smaller version, yeah, six one, six two, but he plays as if he's like a six four, six five kind of guy. Donovan Mitchell's only that tall. He's not yeah, like six four. No, I'm looking this up. No, no, no. I know he's shorter. He's six one. Wow. He's six six one two fifteen. He's he's and he takes advantage of that. I, again, I, so I, I said I saw that video of Donovan Mitchell and how he's the most prolific, like per 100 possession score in the playoffs ever. 
And that's just because he's so good at leveraging his size. He's not bigger or stronger than most people, but he understands how to get around that disadvantage of being a little bit shorter, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I, I, like the, la- the last West team we can talk about is the Grizzlies, who they're starting Zaire Williams at small forward, and I don't think they have enough. I think they've had a great regular season, but I kind of grouped them in with the Hawks, what they did last year, where the Hawks moved up in the standings and then, uh, you know, had a great playoffs and then kind of fizzled out. The West is a whole different animal. They're, uh, they're going to play the Denver Nuggets in the first round. And if the Denver Nuggets are healthy, I think the Denver Nuggets could win that series easily. Right. So. That's, that's the difference between the East and the West. And obviously outside of the Nets kind of down the, hanging into the bottom, I do think the right. clear top teams are better than the clear bottom teams. Whereas mm-hmm. in the West, it's very spread out where it's like, okay, any of these teams, other than the Suns, I think any of these teams can beat any of these teams. So, mm-hmm. and like that extends, you know, like would it shock me if, eh, actually, I, I can't say that. Um, I think from the, after the Nuggets. So I think if you get any of those playing teams with the exception of maybe the Lakers, I don't think they're beating anyone. The Lakers just obviously I won't doubt LeBron and Anthony Davis. Yeah, you, I mean I, I was I'll, I was I'll, I'll, I'll to, doubt Anthony Davis all day. I will never doubt LeBron. I was listening to a podcast um, over the weekend and it was talking about how the big three of theirs, LeBron, and I'll even air quote that big three mm-hmm. um, sure. of Westbrook, LeBron, Davis has only played like I think eight games to get, like combined like minutes eight games together. All season at this point in the season, they've only played eight total games together. That's really low. And yeah, maybe you don't want them all playing together, but like, I don't know. As much of a failed experiment as this is and was, like, that's still tough when you really don't have the opportunity to get into a rhythm. Like, sure, sure, maybe they could have figured stuff out. I don't know if they necessarily would have. It sounds like there's all sorts of fights between Westbrook and the coaches and whatever about him taking a different role, which he should have done. But like, you never know if they were all out there, maybe it would look a little different. It doesn't, but that's why, I don't know if they get the, if they get the right team, I mean, look at, they just beat the Warriors over the weekend. Yeah. You know? So, and like, I, I think they could definitely beat but they, they any beat, of in the players in the plan. The I think the they weekend. could be, yeah, they did. That oh, was no a dream. LeBron, yeah, LeBron going for 56 to beat the Warriors by like seven points. A win's a win. And like, yeah, playoff LeBron, Is LeBron could going activate. for 50 every night. He might. He's done it before. But yeah, no. Is LeBron going for 50 every is LeBron going for 50 every game I while hope, being guarded by I'd Draymond Green? I would love it. <laughs> um, uh, no, but look, if you look at the play in, in in the West, like I just don't think I, I I think I would take the Lakers to beat the Timberwolves. Would you not? Mm-hmm. So like, and I, that's yeah. also contingent on them passing the Clippers. But like, sure. would I take them to beat the Clippers if Paul George and Kawhi don't come back? Yeah, yeah. Would I take unless them Reggie to beat... Jackson wants to keep doing Reggie Jackson things? But yeah, well, exactly. Although they just got smoked by the Knicks yesterday, so you never know. Um, yeah. and that's why, especially with like a. A, a motivated Lakers team to at least make the playoffs. Yeah, I would take that. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the Pelicans who Pelicans are surging. Like they look pretty good, but I would still take the Lakers over them. You know, like, I, I don't know. And then you never know. You never know on the draw. And as we just said, any of those teams in the West can kind of beat any of those teams in the West. 
they have they have 20 games. They figure it out. They get a rotation. They get like an identity. Why not? You know, I, I don't necessarily believe it, but I wouldn't be shocked if it did end up happening. So that's that's my my take on the Western Conference. I have uh, I have this thing about pace of play. Mm-hmm. I think teams that play a higher, a faster pace are generally worse than teams that play a slower pace. I think it depends on your personnel, but I think especially in the playoffs that comes to fruition. Like, I you need don't... to be able to play both paces, right? You need to be able to run a half court offense, but you and you need to be able to score in transition. But like if you, so here I'm looking at the uh, teams pace, right. you know, teams by pace. Houston Rockets won, Charlotte Hornets, Minnesota Timberwolves, San Antonio Spurs, Los Angeles Lakers, Milwaukee Bucks, Sacramento Kings, Memphis Grizzlies, Phoenix Suns, Orlando Magic. Those are your top 10. And out of those, those teams, teams are bad. Only, yeah. a lot of those teams are really bad. The Bucks obviously play a fast pace because they have Giannis, who runs down the court very fast and gets a lot of easy buckets. But they have Chris Middleton and can play slow. The Lakers, who play a really fast pace, sure, they have LeBron who can play slow. But, like, I just don't – like, I – like. Do I trust their half court offense? And that's, I mean, that's my not like not with Westbrook on the court. Absolutely not. So I mean, what not if you have Westbrook, Dwight Howard, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Trevor Reese on the floor together, do you trust that? Half-court well, that's offense? because Carmelo Anthony's not on the court. So our our one true <laughs> right, king is not playing. Remove. <laughs> let's let's bump. Let's bump, bump a Reza. Get a Reza the center spot. Oh, we're bumping a Reza? Oh well, I guess you I, could. You could bump. You could bump AD to center and then. Yeah. Right. But let's bump AD to center. We'll put Melo in at power forward. Then we got LeBron, Westbrook, and Monk, like Ariza or Monk yeah. to fill out the rest. I still, like, I don't believe they have a half court set. They no. can post up AD, but I'm not confident in posting up AD. No. And I, but that's the thing. Like, I think if you take Westbrook out of the equation, you could, you can do more. And so, you know, you could run more two man game. You can so, do that sort of thing. And, Right, you know, so just you have a spot up shooter, but since Westbrook isn't that, you can't. You have Austin Reeves, Malik Monk, LeBron James, Carmela Anthony, and Anthony Davis on the floor together. You do trust that more, definitely. Which is weird and, to say, but yeah, I do. Like per hundred possessions, is that lineup beating teams in the West? That's like I don't know. <sighs> That's the thing. No. Like, Austin Reeves and Malik Monk are going to get cooked. Yeah, probably. But then, don't you figure Anthony Davis and LeBron James are going to do their share of cooking? Like, that's, you know, and uh, I don't know. I just can't doubt LeBron. I can't. Sure. I don't know. Uh, I, I definitely am a little more, I don't want to say optimistic, because I don't believe in them. I think they're toast. Like, their season's kind of over. But if things okay. go right in these last 20 games and they can kind of right the ship, why not? You know, I, sure. I don't know. I, I definitely can't count them, count them out. I would have liked to see them be high in the Western Conference standings. I would have liked to see LeBron be an MVP candidate. But I, I want to yeah. know who's – I want to know what was, like, the collective thinking behind trading for Westbrook and, like, who pulled the trigger on it. I mean, it sounded like LeBron and Davis pushed for it. And so, you know, as much as – I mean, you're seeing all this finger pointing happening there with the front office and them and whatever. Yeah. But 
all the reports suggested that that's what happened is LeBron and Anthony Davis wanted Westbrook and they kind of made the Lakers do it. I mean, you know, you which gotta, I, I find to be like sad almost because reap what you sow. Yeah. I mean, yikes, not great. Wouldn't you have much rather had Kyle Lowry? Why not push for Kyle Lowry? I mean, they could have Lowry. They could have even just the buddy heel package. Like, True. They could yeah, have had so much that, else. The fact that they chose THT over Alex Caruso alone is just is horrible. Baffling. Yeah, terrible. And like that decision, I don't think you can put on LeBron. Like that seems more of like a Polinka Kurt Rambis type decision. Maybe. But then if you flip the script there and you say, all right, say LeBron was in there saying, no, we ought to keep Caruso. They would have kept him. Don't you figure? Yeah. They would have kept him if LeBron is saying they had to. this guy. Yeah. So like LeBron must not have been advocating Where, for it. Yeah. Know your, I mean, know your roster, know your role. Again, I feel like we talk about this a lot where like, if you think about the bubble roster, I think that was the best Lakers roster they've had while LeBron's been on the team. Yeah, definitely. But if you do look at generally what's happened with his teams and like, obviously the Kyrie situation changes things in Cleveland. Yeah. They kind of, they start off a little slow. Look at his first year in LA. They start to get hot and win. Look at what happened in LA. Look at what happened in Miami. Look at what happened in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Then it starts to fizzle because they trade away assets and things like that. And it's harder to surround him with a winning team. Cleveland is the only one where I'm like, okay, that's maybe not necessarily as true. The um, only reason why they started slow in Cleveland was because Kyrie got injured in the first game of the finals and Kelly O'Linick dislocated Kevin Love's shoulder in the second round or whatever. And they definitely would have beat that Warriors team. On the back end of that, you have Kyrie demanding a trade and the Warriors getting Kevin Durant. So, like, yeah, I, I can give that. I, I Cleveland is a little bit different. But you look the, at Miami, you know, it, it did kind of follow that. That's what's happening here. So, I don't know. You know, maybe. I um, thought Miami through and through was pretty consistent. It I was. I think every year they had a similar roster that was viable. Yeah. For sure. I mean, there's a reason they went to four state straight finals. Right. And he was only there for four years. Yeah. It's tough when you run into a Spurs team loaded with legends. Hey, but yeah, I mean, there's not much. I mean, it happens. You lose sometimes. Like, it, I even think like some of the Miami Heat teams kind of got a little better as time went on. I mean, yeah, I, I would say like their peak was that, that – I want to say the second championship where they beat, ah, but maybe not that Spurs one. Maybe, maybe the when first they beat the Thunder. They still had some... When they beat the Thunder, probably they, they were at their best. Because then, I mean, Wade did start to fall off. Bosch started to fall off. I think Wade had some injury problems. I think right. that made that difficult. Yeah. But I mean, they added, like, Miami added guys over time. Um, like Ray the Allen. Union. The Mike Millers uh, of the world that they had. Yeah. Like, Right. I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I think at the beginning, I think it was a little disorganized that first year, but yeah, as and time went on, I think, uh, yeah. Um, okay. But the see, Lakers, I thought the first year in LA was yeah tough. All right. Yeah. Speaking of train wrecks, um, the Sacramento Kings, 16 straight losing seasons. Now I'm just recapping uh, stuff that's happened in the past week. 
clinched 16 straight losing seasons. Um, you know, I, I why did they make they, a trade to win now? Why did they trade for Sabonis? What does that really accomplish? <laughs> I don't even think like, okay, they, they make all these moves to win now. But like, I don't think a Montes Sabonis, Darren Fox roster gets you anywhere like meaningful. I, I saw something that had the same win percentage and granted it's a much smaller sample, sample size with mm-hmm. Sabonis as they did before. So good job. Uh, good job, Kings. Yeah, I mean very good I job. I don't think I don't think De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis makes you better than the Timberwolves. Uh if Zion was back, I don't think you're better than the Pelicans. No. And you think about the other six teams right now that are playoff eligible, I don't think you're better than any of them. Right. No. So that leaves you at, at best ninth. Yeah. And that's if the if that's if the Blazers aren't playing well. That's if the Lakers aren't playing well. That's if the Clippers aren't playing well, right? There's a Clippers lot of are about hits. to get Kawhi and Paul George back. So I don't even think they're and like the Spurs are going to continue to get better. The Thunder will continue to get better. I just like so stupid. No, and you're just gonna have to hope. And I don't think it's possible, but you're just gonna have to hope that somehow, and granted, he's looked good. He's averaging like 28, 6, and 6 in like since yeah. he's come back. De'Aaron Fox, you gotta hope that he jumps and becomes that mm-hmm. like dominant all-star, like perennial all-star. You got to hope Sabonis gets back to being like a regular all-star. And then, I don't know, hope to God that Davion Mitchell is good and, you know, just like some of these other guys. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the plan is or was. Getting rid of Halliburton made no sense. No sense. So, I don't know. Like, I, you know, that is as bad as the Lakers are. That is worse. We've got shooters. That is more and of a I train think, wreck. I think – Part of the other problem is, is like some of the guys they traded for, like Justin Holiday and Dante DiVincenzo, are they going to stay in Sacramento long term, especially if they're not winning? Like, is Rashawn Holmes going to be there when his contract's no. up? Like, no, but also think about that. Those are general, like, I feel like, what do they call them? Like, journeymen who just like travel the league and find, you know, whatever team needs, uh, you know, say whatever position or like stretch wing. For sure, for sure. Like a you know a, a big yeah that just go wherever the money is and bounce but around. Like retaining retaining those guys and trying to build something special is important. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to work. Like, like let's, I don't think we, like Harrison Barnes is not going to be there after the season. I'd be surprised, right? He's expiring or has one more year left. Like, uh, not one hundred percent sure. But that's what I mean. Like, I just don't think any of those guys that are currently on the roster, other than. Fox He's, and Sabonis are long-term, truly long-term locks on that team. You know? Yeah. I, but I, okay, so, like, looking at the Phoenix Suns roster here, like, they've retained guys over time. Right. Which I think gets back to what we were talking about before. Like, that's why they're a, a very cohesive unit, and everyone seems to be, like, best best buds on the team. So, right. there is there's and, definitely something to be said about continuity. Right, if you're not keeping guys on the roster, and it's even some of those role players. Like, if you look at Golden State and some of the role players they had on the roster, you know, it, like, they they develop into your system. They understand how to play with players who are coming in, especially guys who are stars, right? It's like, oh, this is the way we've been playing basketball, and now it's just a little bit easier because this guy's really good and he's playing next to me. Right, um, right? some of those, like, uh, finals – teams with the Warriors like Chris uh, Sean Livingston had been on the roster for a long time 
that's just as easily like these people like these people were with the team with Steph Curry it wasn't like they were like in and out picking up role players there were definitely guys like that but they had grown together they'd been a very cohesive unit whereas like Kings they bring in Sabonis they bring in Fox like Harrison Barnes probably who knows but like yeah. there are guys Dante DiVincenzo Daniel Mitchell will be there for a long time just because he's a rookie you know I like I it's ridiculous yeah no, no I direction. Mean, no, and that's exactly it. They're they're in no man's land. They don't know what they're trying to do. They're trying to win now, but you don't necessarily have a ton of win now pieces. You have two. That's about it. Harrison Barnes, I guess, could be on the right team, a good role player, but like that's you have you don't have much to go out there and win a ton of games right now. I think there are three guys on their roster that could be on a championship team and be productive on a championship team. Harrison Barnes, DeMontis Sabonis, and De'Aaron Fox could all be on a championship team at some point as a high-value role player or a starter. I'm going to counter that with one extra is DiVincenzo, who, like, is sure. – does he count? But yeah, he no, was on the Bucs uh, last year, but not during the championship run. I think he makes a, I think he makes a difference. He's a good shooter. He can play make a little bit. I definitely think he is of value yeah. to a championship bubble team. That was my but, one like, – yeah. But After right. that, they don't have it's it's so yeah, I don't know. not either great. be sinking trash, garbage heap, yeah. or like be good and they're neither. They need to right. draft they better. Gotta, they need like they're gonna have a good pick though. You look at their team. They are currently early. sitting in the sixth spot. Maybe they win a couple more games. Let's say worst case scenario, they have the eighth pick. You're gonna get someone solid. You know, let's, say, solid, but... let's say they get a Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. Yeah. It's a great fit on that team. Mm-hmm. But so, and that's if they fall. You know, they I'm could actually get, not so sure. You could get Shane like... Sharp out of Kentucky. You could get AJ Griffin out of Duke. Like you you know, there's this draft is weirdly big, or at least like wing to forward heavy. You're mm-hmm. gonna get someone who fits alongside those two that you built around. Sure. So maybe, I don't know. I think, uh, I think that, I mean, they have to make the right pick this year if they want to win now. It has to be someone who's ready to contribute. It has to be a first team rookie, all rookie. I mean, I best definitely case see scenario them, like, for them is, honestly, just with what they just did, is you win the lottery and you trade the pick for someone disgruntled who wants to get out. And you hope yeah. that, like, I don't know. Maybe the – I don't know why they would in this case, but maybe the Thunder are ready to move on from, like, SGA, and you want to go SGA and De'Aaron Fox with Sabonis. Team could be pretty sure. good. Weird. It's a weird combo. I'm not – But I'm not so big on De'Aaron Fox. I think maybe that's my issue. Either am I. He's not a good enough shooter. He's not a good enough shooter. I relate him a lot to, like – a. Uh... It's John Wall over again. Yeah, it's John Wall or, like, a, a Colin Sexton. Yeah. I'm not exactly so sure how well he meshes with other people. No, because he kind of needs the ball in his hand to be good. Right, which is like you see it, you you see it with John Wall, right? Like John Wall, and you see it with Westbrook, right? Like, yeah, he has to be a number one option. That's the issue. Right. He has to be the number one option. And when he fails to be as good as a number one option needs to be, your team is bad. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's what's about to happen to them. Like, how different do you think this team would be if they had Lonzo instead of Sabonis? Still bad. But 
but at least you have room for someone to come in and be a number one option. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. So I, I think it's whatever this Lonzo next is much step more is. Scalable. Yeah, but whatever this next step is, is where we're really going to see if De'Aaron Fox can do that off-ball play. If he can play as more of like a slasher when he is off-ball rather than like a spot-up shooter, then maybe. That's going to take a lot on a Kings organization with like very little identity and like stability to create. So like they just fired their head coach. Like, are they going to, who are they going to hire next? Like, I just don't know what their long-term plan is there. Who are they going to bring in who's ready to handle these egos and you have two guys who, as you said, are kind of on that level of being like, I don't know, top dogs, I will say, air quote that too. But Savonis has been an all-star and De'Aaron Fox maybe at some point is in his career. How are you going to manage that? You know, and whatever third piece you bring in. So I don't know. I just, it's a very, very delicate situation there. And I, I could see it blowing up sooner than later. Uh. What if the all league, all NBA? I mean, realistically, you need an all NBA player on your team to be great. Yeah. Is De'Aaron Foster, DeMontis Sponis ever a top 15 player in the NBA? So I don't want to say no, because I, I've learned my lesson there. Like, sure. look at Julius Randle. He was last year. Granted, mm-hmm. he had no help really on that roster last year. He was kind of carrying them, but he did make it. So I don't want to say that they can't, even if it is for a fluky season where they play out of their mind, but like realistically, no, they're not. Neither of them will. Maybe Darren Fox does in the same way that like Westbrook did those years, but like, no, realistically, no, I don't think so. So they need to find a third option who's going to come in and be the leader. And that's very hard to do. They need a, Jason Tatum or like a oh god he's going you know, nowhere after that performance on national TV against the Nets he is uh, a, he's a Celtic in, until he demands out he's a Celtic yeah I don't think Jason Tatum is going anywhere no. but they need a type of player like that they need like a six eight to six ten shooter shot creator um pretty much every team needs that I mean every team could use one of those but like that like that's the only way the Kings get good at this point yes exactly they need that wing which is why this draft is weirdly good for them the problem is after committing to like this long term or this like win now approach drafting someone to be that guy is probably not the way to get that guy who's going to help you win now you know so yeah it's a good fit on paper but it doesn't match your timeline if you hadn't made the trade before it would if they draft like a keegan murray out of iowa who's the big 10 leading scorer right that might work but even then like I don't know. It's Best case scenario, they get Paulo. Paulo's a good fit. Uh, Jabari then, like, Smith. Yeah, but even then, like, they're still kind of projects. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, as yeah, good I think as, it would be, I don't think if, if you're Jabari Smith or Paulo Vichero, I don't think you want to get drafted by the Kings. There's no patience there. There's no... I also yeah. just think, like, as good as Mobley has been, he's in a great situation but he's yeah. still raw. Like there's no denying, like he is a hundred percent. He is not. But there's so much room for him to grow. You kind of know. Right. Like this isn't, this season's been great. He's rookie of the year maybe, but there's still space for him to grow. It's not like they're just going to, uh, oh, well, Darius Garland and Jared Allen and they, yeah. you know, play him less minutes. He's still going to start. He's still going to play a large role. Like he might not ever be the Kevin Durant that he could have been or the, the Giannis type sure. of player he could have been, 
but he will be an all-star. He will be a all-NBA player potentially. See, the, the thing that sticks out there is you're saying will be, and that's projecting how far into the future. The Kings don't have that same luxury of drafting a guy who's kind of going to fit that mold. I would say some of the guys at the top of this draft are going to be like that stretch big, kind of more mm-hmm. fluid playing. They don't have the luxury to wait for them to develop into being an all-star. They need it now. You know, right. that's what they committed to. They committed to becoming a playoff threat, becoming a, you know, mm-hmm. which I don't know that they are at this point. I don't know that if they draft someone, they are. I, I just don't. So 16 straight like losing seasons and likely counting, if you ask me. So if it, the, I mean, if you look at the Cavs roster, Evan Mobley, 20, Isaac Crow 21, Darius Garland, Who's their other star? 22. Jarrett Allen, 23. Colin Sex, 23. They have Lori Markinen, who's 24. So much time to grow together. Yeah. Where, like you said, the Kings, they just don't have that. Don't the timelines are all strange. It's so. Uh, the youngest youngest player on their roster is 22. Nemus Quita. Quita. Can't say his name. Yeah. And then Davion Mitchell, who's 23. But after that, like nobody on your roster shows a huge amount of potential and is young. Even like Sabonis, Everyone's like 25 yeah, he's twenty-five. Plus. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. These guys are entering their primes in the next year or two. Whereas like Cavs, their best players, they still have like four years. Right, and so, so. that's that's the that exactly that's the difference there. And so I don't know what their plan is. I don't know what they're going to be doing. But yikes! I have the I have the luxury and the privilege of staying up to watch them tonight because it's Knicks Kings tonight. So I'm going to be up. Uh. Starts ten thirty uh, Eastern, so I will be unfortunately staying up to watch a garbage game. Um, uh, yeah, if we very quickly touch with the uh, Nick's smaller lineup, how yesterday. are you going to make this quick, Luke? That is a trap because <laughs> I can talk for hours about this. I think it was great that Cam Reddish played a ton of minutes. Uh, yes, I think there was something on Twitter that he played twenty five, yeah, or something like that. I think uh, yesterday Tibbs Tibbs wanted to sub Randall back in and Randall was like no yeah I mean I had fallen asleep last night so I didn't see that uh, interaction um yeah and I did like the old man falling asleep watching something but no, I, I yeah. do that every day basically yeah but, uh, um no so I didn't see that interaction myself but yeah I mean I think Tibbs needs to be saved from himself because he doesn't want to experiment that lineup mm-hmm. with um, Deuce McBride, who's hardly ever played, quickly mm-hmm. RJ and Cam, and then sprinkle in whichever center you want, was responsible for their largest runs of the game. They went on like a, I think a 10 0 and like a 16 0 run in two different stints when those four I mean, were on. RJ. Why have they not been doing that? And then you also include Obi, who's hurt. Like they could go small and throw in Randall if you want to go in small. You have so I'm many very... options to be versatile on this team. And Thibodeau refuses. refuses. Yeah. I, I'm very concerned with Obi. I really think you have to play him at center. I think he's a small ball center. Sure, fine. It, right. He shouldn't be sitting in the corner, which is, again... He's more of a lineup it, guy. It all than... comes down to the way Tom Thibodeau has been coaching. And it's a very antiquated system. And he's not allowing his... We have such a good group of switchable, like, multi-positional players. You know, you look yeah. at even guys who are hurt right now. You think of Grimes, mm-hmm. you think of Obi, 
you think of, you know, and then obviously the guys who are healthy and who are responsible for that run yesterday, you have a ton of guys who could play a bunch of positions. You could play Randall at the five if you wanted against some teams. You have you a ton of versatility and you're not utilizing it because you want to play Randall's... point, you want to play point Alec Burks 35 minutes a game. Like none of it makes sense. And so that's I think the Randall's issue. best position is center as well. So it's like you don't want to play Randall at center, but if you played him at center, your team would probably be a little bit better. But here's the thing. I think you play Randall at the four and Obi at the five, something that I've been like screaming to get all season and they don't do it. Sure. Like you could be dynamic and it doesn't require that much adjustment. And so especially now down the stretch with 20 games left in a lost season when you're five and a half games out of the plan, like experiment. And like, even when guys start getting healthy, when Taj and Nerlens get healthy, don't play them. They don't need to play. For what reason? What purpose do they serve playing big minutes mm-hmm. right now? What purpose does Randall serve playing 38 minutes a game right now? None. Drop those minutes. Let other guys play. Exactly like he said, run a small ball lineup. It works. Sure. Experiment. Right. See what you can bring with you in the next season instead of just banging your head against the wall, doing the things that we know don't work, like playing Burks, Fournier, Randall and whatever, like 38 minutes a game. We know I'm it doesn't okay work. with Fournier. I just wish he wouldn't play as many minutes as he does. Right. That's the thing. I think it's 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 having that Burks, ability to change. Burks and, and Fournier should be splitting more minutes. And I think I, I mean quickly plays a lot, but gotta play I more. Quickly, He's playing less than 20 minutes a game. And Rose needs to come back because I think Rose is the oh. only other viable option outside of quickly that can play point guard. See, that's where you lose me. He shouldn't come back. What's the uh, point? Again, just like I said about um, Taj and Nerlens, the only difference yeah. with him is, yeah, he should be on the team next year. The other two, probably not. They shouldn't be next next season. Rose mm. absolutely should, which is why you should prioritize his health. Like, fine, just shut him down for the season. Like, ankle injuries and weird injuries. Like, what's, what's the point of him playing the last – let's say he comes back in two weeks. What's the point of him playing mm-hmm. the last 10 games of the season? What does that accomplish other than take playing time from what I just said in – experimenting and seeing what you have, seeing right. who you want to trade, who you want to extend. They have three guys who they're up to expend in RJ, Cam, and Mitchell Robinson. Like, give them as many different looks as possible to see what you could possibly build next season. And so run small I mean, ball Cam- action. Give Cam 25 minutes a game. Give up quickly 25 minutes a game. Give Let Deuce McBride play. When Grimes gets healthy again, let him play another 20 to 30 minutes a game. Like, And it doesn't have to be every night, but sprinkle that in. Mix everything up. Like, yeah, do, Fournier, do Burks, Thibodeau still going to get minutes. Capable of that? Thibodeau's, Absolutely not. He's not. Do you think Do you think Thibodeau's a little bit on the hot seat? Or no? He should be. I want it, I literally, if it were up to me, he would have been gone yesterday. He should not be the coach anymore. He, I hated yeah, him last he, season. And I'll go, I'll plays, go on uh, record. I was not happy with the hire when they made it. Everyone was, like, blinded by the fact that they were winning games last year in a shortened season, no fans in the stand with a fluke Randall year where he just got really hot. Everyone's regressed sure. since. Everyone had career years. Burks had career year. Noel had a career year. Randall had a career year. All of these guys had just magnificent years, and then they receded to the mean or regressed to the mean, and now you're getting what I expected, which is Thibodeau's inability to adapt, playing these guys who he thinks are like these amazing players based on last season, huge minutes, and they're mm-hmm. losing. We've lost 17 of our last 20 or whatever it is. Like, oh, my God. Like, to me, I look at the situation. I'm like, it's nothing new. He was, we were clamoring for 
Alfred Payton to get taken out of the lineup last year, and he didn't do it until in the playoffs. Dog, we got to figure these things out during the regular season. You have to experiment. You have to change. You can't, like, he's such a dinosaur, and his, like, stubbornness is killing the team. He's got to go. He's got to be gone. I'm so tired of it. Like, he really, anyone else at this point, I literally don't care who it is. Even if, fine. Fire I mean, you do care now who it is a little bit. Fire Tibbs now with 20 games left. Get a look at Johnny Bryant, the assistant, who Emmanuel quickly just Instagram storied, like, calling him, like, his dog or whatever. Like, sure. try new things. I'm so tired of Thibodeau. It's the reason he got fired from two other jobs. You know you're getting with him. It's not working now. It's not going to work tomorrow. Like He was on, it was a... Uh... Chicago and Minnesota. Yeah. Both just forget it. And like, again, you're looking at when he's in Minnesota with Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, like, yeah, you had good guys carry it to a low playoff seed and you lose early. And then you stink. People start getting hurt and complaining about the minutes and not agreeing with them. The same thing's happening now. It's just setting the stage for it. I'm tired of it. I'm so done with him. He's got to go. Literally. I can't handle it. I'd love to see like a Kenny Atkinson. I was, that's who I wanted them to hire before two years ago. Or Terry Stotts. I just think you need someone who can look at your roster and understand that you don't coach your roster to a scheme. You coach a scheme to your roster. Right. Exactly. You, you are only, yeah, you have to make best of what you have. It's you're given a hand. You got to make the best of that hand. And so play to their strengths. Give, let RJ Barrett. Like your coach would be a strategist. Yes, exactly. And he is just such a dinosaur. I know I've, I keep saying that, but that's what he is. Like his unwillingness to adapt is what's going to get him extinct from the NBA. He's mm-hmm. never going to coach sure. again. Who's going to hire him after this? If he gets fired from a third team, who's going to hire him? No one. Maybe as an assistant. Maybe. I could see him assistant. as an assistant. I think he but is he going to be? Team. Is he going to do that? He's essentially a defensive coordinator. That's what he should be. But then you look at this Knicks He's team and the defense setter. sucks. He is so bad. I'm done. I, Luke, you said this could be a quick discussion. I could go off all night about this. I'm tired of it. I am. I really, frankly, uh, he's got to go. It's right. the worst. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think I could see him as a, an assistant somewhere, just kind of bring like a mindset or a culture to the I, I, I do like the way he kind of manages the team. Uh, I'm not so sure if Cam Reddish is getting more minutes because of injuries. I think he it is, is. But yeah. I think the fact that he's playing or like the fact that he felt, I feel he's had to earn a little bit of his minutes, I think is important. Sure. I like that culture. Sure. But I agree with you a little bit where it, it's tiring to see the same thing over and over and over again. You, you want to see something new. You want to see uh, adaptation. You want to see... How many fourth quarter leads do I need to see the starting unit blow when he puts the same group in? His subs are so literally to a T. Like at, at every point in every single game, you see guys sub in and out. He's a robot. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is what we're doing. We're going to keep doing it. And it doesn't work. It hasn't worked. So like I think the predictability right. also is easy to scheme Everyone against. Can you see- can kind of say, like, oh, like these are the subs he's going to make, and this is how he's going to play with these guys on the floor. And opposing coaches are just like, then we're going to do this. Easy. Yeah. Done. Exactly. It's it's so infuriating to watch. You want you want to coach like Ty Lu, who on the yes. fly is like, look at this. This is this is the new way we're gonna play this because yeah, 
That's exactly it doesn't happen like that. No, he's and he's it's just got to end. And that's why I mean, there are reports that came out that the front office is frustrated with him and that, you know, mm-hmm. worldwide West wants him, you know, is, is pointing the finger at him, which like, sure, there's always going to be that between a front office and a coach when yeah. teams are underperforming. Everyone's going to blame the other one. And like that happens. But I have eyes. I've watched these games like sure. I've been watching the Knicks for years. No, it's Thibodeau. He's the problem. Sure, like there are mistakes with the the construction of the roster, but like this team is better than their record. They are. Tibbs just mismanaged it for the majority of the season. And there's no real like the only reason it seems like it's getting a little better right now is because players are hurt and it looks like okay, fine. He's playing the, the kids a little bit more. I don't know right. if that's gonna happen. That might not stay the rest of the way. So who knows? But I'm I'm tired of it. And now I have to stay up until one o'clock in the morning to watch them play the freaking Kings tonight. No, you'll fall asleep during the game because it'll be I'm a slow game. I'm going to fall asleep in the first quarter. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> that 1030 start is killer. Oh God. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we've been on here for a while, Luke. Let's, let's wrap this up after my rant. <laughs> it was a good uh, rant. Yeah. I I'm, laughed before. Yeah. Cause time. Luke, I'm, you're catching me where I'm just like this guy. I'm so tired of it. Two years of, of tips is it's I hit my breaking point. I'm done. Sure. Yeah. Sick of forking me. But yeah. So all right. Well, this is the Hoop Troop Podcast. Thank you everyone for joining and tune in next time.